You're listening to an audio message from Harvest Bible Chapel in Granger, Indiana. For more information, visit our website at harvestgranger.org. We're continuing in our Simply Pray series. I've been watching the online services. It was great to see Pastor Micah, Pastor Tyler, and Pastor Jeff from Harvest Denver continue our emphasis on prayer. And I'm hearing so many stories from individuals and small groups and even our entire church that are being changed as we get our eyes vertical. Lift up your eyes and the Lord is changing us in this process. We're going to continue this in uh, the message today. The title of the message today is Simply Pray for Your Children. Now, I want to let you know I am qualified for this message because I have some needy children that need prayer. And there they are. The reason I'm showing you this picture is because you will rarely ever see us all standing together at the same time. And it happened on Thanksgiving Day for a few hours, but uh, we are dispersed, especially on a Sunday. We are like a special forces unit when we step into a church. So uh, you've got uh, Andrea, my wonderful wife of almost 23 years, coming up on December the 17th. And uh, I know we don't look old enough to have all of these children, but... Brooke is 21. She uh, actually today is a worship leader uh, on the platform in Harvest Chicago. And she kind of splits time between here in Chicago and even the Harvest Church in Spring Lake. And God's really using her. That's Zach. He's 20 years old. He's uh, in his third year at Cedarville University. And he's uh, studying to be a pastor. I tried to talk him out of it, but he's on his, uh, on his way to being that. And uh, he's sitting right over there. And then Allie, she's actually the best of the bunch. And she's a senior at Penn. And uh, then you got Leah and Scott. Now, i got to tell you a conversation that happened last night in family among the children, okay? So Andrea sent Allie out to the grocery store to get shredded cabbage. There was something that she was making. I think it's called an egg roll in a bowl that she wanted to make. And it required shredded cabbage. So Allie goes to Martin and they don't have shredded cabbage, but she finds a head of cabbage. She brings it home, apologizes. I could only find a head of cabbage. Leah looks at her and says, we have a paper shredder. Do you understand that if these children didn't have parents, there would have been a head of cabbage in the paper shredder? Pray for my children. That's why I put the picture up, okay? So, now I realize that not everybody has a picture that looks like that. And uh, let me just say that they all take a beautiful picture. They're all rotten to the core and they need grace and they need prayer. And uh, I know that some of you uh, don't have a family that looks like that. And as a matter of fact, is when I said that today we're going to be simply praying for our children, some of you checked out or you tried to. I am now reeling you back in. Some of you would say, well, Trent, I don't have children. You may say I'm not even married yet. Um, that's okay because I want to read you a story about a man who didn't have children but loved to pray for them. From Matthew chapter 19, look at it beginning in verse 13. Then children were brought to him. Guess who he was? Jesus. The parents brought their children to Jesus that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And his disciples, the knuckleheads that they were, 
rebuked the people, even though they were disciples, they weren't yet disciple makers apparently, because this was a great opportunity to introduce Jesus, to introduce people, uh, little people to Jesus, and they didn't have a vision for that. I guess they thought Jesus was too big and bad and awesome, and, and he only ministered to really important people, and Jesus was exactly the opposite. So these guys were still learning how to become disciple makers. He rebuked them, and uh, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Do you realize the story we just read? We have a 30-something-year-old, single, never-married man who loved children. And parents felt so safe that they entrusted their children to this man. Do you know the same thing is happening in this building right now? Because on the other side of that wall, there is a 30-somethings-year-old, single, never-married man who is ministering to some of our children. And he's praying for them, and he's, he's, he's uh, ministering God's Word to them. Thank God for a church that loves children. Thank God for people who don't have children that still love to pray for children. So don't use the excuse, I don't have children, this message is not for me. It sure is for you. Some of you would say, well, I no longer have kids. I'm looking at some gray hair right now. And some of you say, listen, I've done all the damage I can do. They're out there and I'm just like, I just got them out there as quick as I can. Listen, um, you may now have grandchildren. You'll be praying for them. And some of you in the older generation have some availability to help the rest of us that are dysfunctional parents help pray for our kids. Some of you would say, well, this, this topic is painful because I've lost a child. Tragically, there are some people in here that through a miscarriage or maybe even a death, you've lost a young person that was very dear to you. And I would just say to you, do not check out on me. Your heavenly Father knows exactly what it feels like to watch a son die. And He has a heart for you. And he doesn't want you to lose your heart for children because of a tragedy that may have happened in your background. Others of you may have lost a child through a custody battle or through a divorce. Maybe you don't have a, a marriage partner. Some of you are single moms and single dads and you're doing the best you can. You especially need to embrace the role of prayer in the life of your children. Others of you are like, yeah, now I got stepkids. I got kids that don't even have my last name that are living in my house and I'm supposed to parent and pray for them. And I would just say to you, remember, if you're a step parent, you have to invest in your stepkids and win your, the hearts of your stepkids to the same degree that you've invested in and won the hearts of their mom or dad. Just because you won the heart of their mom or dad doesn't mean automatically that you've won the right to speak into their life. You want to speak into their life? Let me give you a surefire way. Ask them how you can pray for them. And let them see you praying for them every day. And you'll find out that you'll win their hearts and allow you to speak into their life. Others of you, you say, well, I didn't have a great model in this area. I, my mom and dad, I don't think they ever prayed for me. I don't even know if they ever prayed at all. And so maybe you didn't have a great model. I would say to you, listen, you, nobody in here gets to choose your heritage. You don't get to choose your parents. 
But everybody in here gets to choose your legacy. And you could actually turn the tide of generations if you would simply pray for those that come behind you. Others of you would say, well, this parent, this is not for me because I am the kid and I am the one that needs the prayer. Would you please just make it easy for us to pray for you, okay? Or maybe during this message, you could be praying for your parents to know how to pray for you. So this is messages for everybody. We're going to see five things here that can help us pray for our kids. Before we do that, let me just say this. Two very simple principles here from, from Matthew 19. Faithful parents tell their kids about Jesus... And tell their Jesus about their kids. Okay? So please hear me. If you are hearing me say, as a parent, all you have to do is simply pray, you missed it. Okay? You can't bring the kids home from the hospital, stick them over in a corner and say, I'm going to pray. Uh, you got to do more than that. You have to parent as you pray. Because children need parents and they need prayer, okay? In those early years, in the first five years, I mean, you got to teach them the alphabet, and you got to teach them, um, you, you got to change them, and you got to feed them, and you got to teach them to share in that next season. You, you've got to teach them to obey. Most important word in the English language for a child is the word obey. And that's the first Bible verse they need to learn is Ephesians 6 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And as you're praying, you you have to teach them to obey. You have to teach them to, to respect others. You have to teach them to share their stuff. You have to teach them to forgive the children whose parents didn't teach them to share their stuff. You got to do all this while you're praying. It's called parenting. And then as they get older, you're having awkward conversations about sexuality and relationships and boyfriends and girlfriends and husbands and wives and threats and and darkness and light and not this, but that and media and all the dangers out there that are trying to steal their hearts away from us. That's called parenting. And then as you get older, you go from training to coaching. You understand they don't let the coaches in the game. The coaches have to stand on the sidelines. You can send in a play every now and then. You can shout instructions. They only let you on the field when the kid gets hurt and then you get to get in there and drag him off for the healing process. But that you become a coach as you get early, older. This is all parenting and it's all part of the first responsibility to tell your kids about Jesus and what Jesus expects from their life and how to be right with God through faith in Jesus. Now, once you've done all that as a parent, then you realize... I need supernatural help because the best of my parenting is only going to produce a well-behaved, self-righteous, religious Pharisee. God, would you get involved? Because there's stuff that needs to happen in this kid's heart that I can't affect. And so, God, let me tell you about my kids. Did you see what they did yesterday? Did you see their attitude? Did you see how they didn't share that? Did you see they tried to put cabbage in the paper shredder? <laughs> you tell your kids. You tell your kids about Jesus and then you tell Jesus about your kids. If you don't simply pray, do you know what you will simply do? You will simply worry, fear, 
control, abuse, or abandon your kids. But if you will learn to simply pray, those things will get off the agenda and you'll find yourself worrying less, abandoning less, controlling less, and asking God to do as a parent, asking God to do what a parent can't do, and that is to draw their hearts to Him. So let's talk about these five ways we can pray for our kids. First of all, simply pray for their parents' marriage to be intimate and permanent. Simply pray for their parents' marriage to be intimate and permanent. Do you realize that I just told you the best thing you can pray is not your kids? Because your kids need an environment that is actually healthy to grow up in. If you went out on the streets, did a Facebook survey, if you ask a bunch of godless people that didn't know anything about the Bible, hey, what do you think might be some ingredients that should be in a home that a kid would grow up in that would turn out okay? Do you know what they would say? They would say, well, a, parent, a child probably needs uh, stability, security, safety. Um, he needs an environment where he's loved and there's trust and commitment. Do you know what the Bible calls that? Marriage. And isn't it interesting as the culture tries to unravel the whole concept of marriage that we stand back and like, I wonder why our kids are so dysfunctional. God designed a child to grow up in a home where his biological mother is married to his biological father and they together are pursuing oneness in a husband-wife relationship. And the byproduct of that is it produces a healthy environment for a parent-child relationship. Now listen, what I'm describing right now is rare. As a matter of fact, statistics tell us only 27% of children in America today will grow up through their entire childhood living with their biological father and their biological mother who are married through, through that entire time. One in four. I am talking to people that didn't experience that. And I'm talking to husbands and wives that aren't currently married to the mother or father of their biological children. God has grace for all of that. Maybe you didn't know any better. Maybe you did the best you can. But now you're hearing the truth and you can lean in and receive God's mercy and grace. Get on God's plan so that not only you can honor God, but your children can see the model that Jesus designed for them to turn out right. We're in Matthew chapter 19, verses 13 through 15. Do you know what the first 11 verses in Matthew 19 are? It contains the longest, most specific teaching of Jesus on marriage. And one day these guys, some religious nuts came up and said, Hey, Jesus, tell us what you think about divorce. You know what Jesus told them about? What he thought about marriage. And he simply quoted from the second page of the Bible. In chapter 5, this is what he says. He says, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
so that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. No wonder parents brought their children to Jesus. Because he knew something about God's design for children to be raised in the stability and security and safety of a home that wasn't broken. Now, again, I have compassion for all of you that are in broken homes. You're going through broken situations. But for those of you that are wondering whether or not God's plan works, it works. Follow God's plan before you pray for your children. Pray for the parents of your children that their marriage would be intimate and permanent and it would go the distance. Jesus assumes in verse 5 that the time a child would leave a biological mother and a biological father is when he was an adult ready for marriage. And that is the time. So let's pray together that we would model that. If you can't get your marriage thing right, why do you think your children would want to have anything to do with marriage? You've got to make marriage desirable for those children because they've seen it work between their biological father and their biological mother. Interestingly, when you go back down, you skip back down to verse 15. I love this. It says, after Jesus had prayed for them, he laid his hands on them and he went away. In other words, Jesus gave them back. It's like, you, I'm not starting a daycare service here, okay? There is a job for you to do. And I've equipped you and given you everything you need. Remember how I taught you that the two are to become one? Now in that context, raise your own kids. They're yours. And so, yeah, you can bring them to Jesus, but Jesus is going to give them back to you at the end of the day. All right. It's your job as parents to raise them in the, in, in the safety and security of a permanent marriage. Here's the second way you can pray for your kids. Simply pray they will come to Christ in repentance and faith. Simply pray that they will come to Christ in repentance and faith. Jesus in verse 14 said, let the little children come. He invites children by faith to trust Him. He invites these children to have a relationship with them. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Red, yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Remember that? It's true. Jesus loves these children. But as a parent, we have to understand that our children must come to the place where they choose to love Him back. They have to make a choice. I'm not going to love myself. I'm not going to love the world. I'm going to choose. I'm going to make a choice to love Christ. I'm going to stop loving myself. I'm going to stop loving my appetites. And I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to stop trusting myself. I'm going to stop trusting my parents' faith. I'm going to stop trusting this religious knowledge that my parents poured into me since I was in the nursery. And I'm going to trust Jesus. Listen. The number one role of a parent in a child's life is to become that child's evangelist. We talk a lot about making disciples around here. Hey, you can't jump over your kids and start making disciples in your small group. Jump over your small group and start making disciples in Michiana. Jump over your small group and start making disciples in 
Liberia. You got to start at home. And do you know what so many parents do? They assume that because they've told their children the truth, they've taught them about Jesus, they've brought them to church, they've assumed that their children are genuinely converted to Christ. And yet when you examine that child's life, it doesn't look like Christ. Look at this first. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 7, here's how you can know whether or not your children have genuinely been converted. It says, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. The illustration has to do with something that has life. Spiritual life is a result of spiritual birth. There can be no spiritual life if there has been no spiritual birth. If there has been spiritual birth, there will be spiritual life that will produce spiritual fruit. And yet so many parents claim to love their kids so much, they couldn't bear the thought of actually believing what God says is true about them. The gospel is this, without spiritual birth, they will never see the kingdom of God. Without spiritual fruit, there is no evidence of spiritual life or spiritual birth. Do you love your kids enough to preach the gospel to them? To tell them, you know what? God is holy and you are not. I know you've been taught you're a good little boy. Listen, if you raise your children to believe they're awesome, why would you be surprised when they think that they're so awesome they don't need God? Tell them they're not awesome. God is awesome. And they need a Savior. God is holy. And one day they will stand before God in judgment. And they will give an account of their life. And if they haven't had a substitute righteousness imparted to them because of the work of Jesus on the cross, they will spend an eternity without God and without you in heaven Say, I want to spend eternity with you. Come with me. Leave your life of sin. Embrace Christ as your Savior. You need to be born again. You need to, you need to be declared righteous before God. Can you believe that your parenting isn't good enough? Some parents have a hard time admitting this because it's a challenge to their pride. To think, are you trying to say I haven't been a good enough parent? I brought my kids to, to church. I read them the Bible. And now you're saying they're not a Christian? I'm telling you that bringing them to church and reading their Bible doesn't make them a Christian. And I'm telling you that you need to simply pray that God would grant them repentance and faith, which grants spiritual conversion and regeneration to their heart. And you're not doing them any favors if you're pretending they're really good enough. 
I remember years ago when my kids were young enough, we were still tucking them in bed at night. And I always used that opportunity to kind of get the gospel to them, you know. And so have you noticed that your kids, they, they don't like to go to bed. They just want to stay up all the time. Well, you can actually use that to your advantage as a parent. You can actually get them to talk to you at the end of the day because it's an excuse for them to stay up later. They won't talk to you any other time of the day. But at the end of the day, they want to stay up and talk. So you could talk about all kinds of things. I mean, you just, they don't care. You can read the Bible. You can preach. You can, you could put my sermon on. That'll put them to sleep. You know, you do all kinds of stuff to, to leverage your, your position as a parent there. And I remember that uh, our youngest child, Leah, she was probably about four years old one night. And I went in and tuck her in the bed and, and she's all tucked in there. She's got her teddy bear. And I, I very vividly remember this. She's got her her blankets pulled up like this and her eyes are real big and she wants to talk. I was like, okay, okay, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. So, uh, so I closed my eyes and I began to pray and I began to pray the gospel and I prayed the gospel much like I preached the gospel. And God, would you just help Leah to understand that she needs you as her savior? And I pray that you would show her her sin, but more importantly, show her that you died on the cross to take away her sin. Thank you for taking away the sin of the world. And I just pray that you would help Leah to understand that at the earliest possible age and you would grant her justification. You would declare her righteous before God. Thank you for taking her sin away. I prayed something like that. And I remember when I said amen, I looked up and her eyes were huge, like ping pong balls. I'm like, what's wrong? She said, did you pray? Did you say that Jesus took my sin away? And I thought, this is it. This is the moment. God's answering my prayer. God's enlightening her heart to the gospel. God's giving her an appetite to repent and believe the gospel. I said, well, yes, Jesus. Uh, yes, Leah, Jesus died to, he, to take your sin away. She said, I want him back. <laughs> I mean, she was thinking Jesus had broken in the room, confiscated sin that belonged to her. <laughs> File a police report. I want those sins back right now. Who's this guy think he is? Take away something I got. I realized then this child needed a lot of prayer, you know, like, this is going to, all right, so, but that's what they need. It's not coming to church. They can't get to heaven on your faith. It has to be their own personal faith. And without a work of grace in response to your prayers as a parent, they can't see it. So pray that God would open their eyes to the necessity of repentance and faith. Number three, you can simply pray that they will walk in truth. This is one of my favorite verses as a parent. We have this on a plaque in our home. If you don't have this on a plaque in your home and you have children, you need this on your home. Third John verse four, one of the shortest books in the Bible says this. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Now, John wrote that speaking as a spiritual father to, a sp to spiritual children, probably a congregation that he'd had influence over. Maybe he had even helped to start. And so he, he's applying that in a different way. We can apply it as parents for sure, because it's true. Isn't it true that when your children are making right choices, when they are walking in a way that is congruent with truth, it brings a joy to you as a parent. Proverbs says that a wise son makes a glad father. 
And so we have no greater joy than to know our children are walking in truth. Now listen, as we pray for our children, this is what we need to pray, that they would walk in truth. But in a very practical sense, we're not trying to be theoretical at all. When we pray for our children, the list is way too long to pray for everything that could possibly ever happen to them. And so what do you do? You stick, it, you stick your prayers for your children right into your time in the Word every morning. You're opening the Bible. Do you remember how we taught you to simply pray the Bible? So you simply pray the Bible for your children and you simply pray that they would walk in whatever truth you are reading this morning. God, I pray that you would give them faith to believe what I'm reading right now. God, give them faith to, to, to see that this is the way of wisdom. And God, would you help them to value wisdom? And God, would you make them allergic to lies? They are swimming in a sea of lies once they get out of this place. Yesterday, um, we were watching some football, and my son Scott, he was laying down on the floor, kind of watching football like this, and TV was up in front of him. The only problem with watching football is there are commercials. And so, you know, you get a beer commercial every now and then, and I just remember, like, there's a beer commercial, and he's just sitting there just watching it. And I said, hey, Scott, that's a lie. He's like, okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. Just, just, just a parenting moment to step in between the lie that's being spoken and the kid that is absorbing that. So there's parenting and then there's praying so that they would walk in truth. So not only do I pray that they would walk in truth, I need to put them on a path where they actually hear truth. Now think about this. We just read in Matthew 19 that there were real parents that brought real children to a real Jesus and he laid his hands on them. There was physical contact between a physical Jesus and a physical kid. He laid his hands on them. Don't you wish you could have been, just bring your kids to the real Jesus, physical contact with Jesus? Like, did you know that is not any better than what Jesus left for us as parents? He left us the Holy Spirit, but Jesus did leave a physical body that can touch our children. What is that? The church. Jesus called the church the body of Christ. So what does this mean? If you want your children to walk in truth, you better put them on the path of truth so that the truth can touch them, they can hear the truth and respond to the truth. Otherwise, there's a thousand other liars standing in line that want the position to speak into their lives. Jesus gave us the church. Now, I can realize if you're in some lame church or something, why you wouldn't want to bring your kids. But we got an awesome children's ministry in here. And, and this is the place where you get touched by truth. We're partnering together, speaking truth to one another. Um, some people say, well, you know. I just don't know if I can always get to church. I mean, it's Thanksgiving weekend. We got all this family in town. And Notre Dame had that game last night. And I was so late. And I still, how many watched the whole game last night? How many saw the whole thing waiting for the last moment there was a comeback? And he's, through your prayers, um, you were simply praying. And, and it was a late night for you. I'm speaking to the 1130 crowd. And I know that, okay? So did you know that there's already been two church services going on in this room before you ever got here? I asked that question 
to the eight o'clock crowd. How many of you stayed up and watched the game last night? And, uh, you know, I was doing that. I said, is there anybody here that actually played in the game last night? Second row. Myron, freshman, number 95 in your programs, number one in our hearts. <laughs> 300-pound, 18-year-old Myron at 7.55, second row in church. I said, Myron, the game was in San Francisco last night. I went to bed at halftime. What time did you get back? He said, about 7 o'clock. 7.55. He's in church. What's your excuse? <laughs> you know why Myra's in church? I know Myra's in church. Because his daddy was praying for him to be in church. His dad's a pastor. He was here a few weeks ago. I met him. He's from Hawaii. Myron's got no chance. <laughs> his daddy prayed him here. How about you? Are you praying that your kids would have that kind of surrender and passion for the Lord? Or are you just praying they'll be a successful football player? Simply pray they'll walk in truth. Number four, that they will be that they will not be unequally yoked. Simply pray that they will not be unequally yoked in relationships. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, that word is yoked. That's not talking about egg yolk, okay? Let me, let me tell you, this is again a word picture. Now, back in the day, agricultural economy... A farmer would stick one ox in one side of a yoke and another ox in another side of the yoke, a big wooden bar over the top of them. The goal is that they would move the same direction at the same time at the same place. The worst thing you could get is one oxen that was pulling in a different direction than the other oxen. And so he says, make sure that whoever is yoked to your kids is pulling in the same direction that you are. Now, in the early phase of life, guess who's in the ox, who's in the yoke together? You got a parent on one side, kid on the other side, and the kid is coming the same direction. He got no choice. He's in the yoke, right? But as the child grows up, the influence of a parent diminishes, and they actually are going to choose who they get yoked to. In friendships, boyfriends, girlfriends, Media, peer groups, marriage. So to what, what, what's one of my greatest prayers for my kids? That they would only yoke themselves to people that would pull them in the same direction I would pull them in. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? And so we want them yoked with people who walk in truth, walk in the light. And when we're not, when they're not walking in the truth, we pray that God will expose that, that God will shine the light into the darkness and give them an appetite to respond to the light. Here's the last thing. Number five, simply pray that they will fly straight where they are aimed. Psalm 127 verse 4 is a great analogy for 
our children. This is what it says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Now, in this verse, again, it's another word picture. There's a word picture for parents in here. Who are the parents in Psalm 127 verse 4? They're warriors. Yes, you are a warrior. And what are our children? They're weapons. You are God's warrior in a spiritual battle. And the weapons God has given you to do warfare are your children. Our job as parents is to aim our children in a direction that's going to make great impact. It's to launch them out. It is to send them out of our homes into the world so that when they make impact, it causes serious damage to the enemy's territory. Now, this, this is what our church is all about. Now, listen, if you are a parent who only prays defensively, you are missing out on what it means to simply pray. You can pray all day long that God would keep your kids from evil, keep your kids from stupid stuff, keep your kids from bad boyfriends and bad girlfriends, keep your kids away from pornography. Nothing wrong with those prayers. But if the height of your prayers is, Lord, I pray that my kid would not get pregnant, um, stay out of jail, and pay their student loan debt. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, expand your horizon a little bit. You're a warrior. Pray offensively. I've prayed for my children, not that they would survive the world, but they would change the world. They would do more damage than I've done around here. And so I pray that for our, our whole kids. They're, I'm praying for your kids. We, our whole staff walked through the children's area this week and prayed. And I was praying for kids in the nursery, kids in the toddlers, kids in the youth group, that from those rooms there would come the next round of pastors and church planters and missionaries and evangelists and pastors' wives. And that what is happening here would be a place that we are launching arrows that we would become a sending church from sending parents and that our kids would do more than make money and live good lives. Have you prayed that for your kids? Have a great commission focus when you're praying. You're a warrior. Your kids are the weapons. This also tells us that one day, not only do we aim them, one day we're going to have to release them. Open our hands and say, God... My kids don't belong to me. I don't own them. I can't control them. My identity is not caught up in who they are, what they do. I surrender my right to have well-behaved kids. I, I surrender my right to be loved and respected by my kids. I surrender my right to control my kids. They're yours. You release them. They're your arrow. I pray that they'll fly straight where I've aimed them. That's about the best you can do. I know that some of you carry a great burden for your kids and even listening to this message may have brought a tear to your eye thinking about where your kids may be, old or young. I know that for some of you, you're thinking about regrets and things. I wish I'd known this and if I'd heard this, yeah, well, it, it does no good to have regret. You can, you can simply pray 
that God would fill the gaps of your parenting with the greatness of your prayers for your kids. And if you do that, you have every reason to believe that God loves your children more than you do. God can change them more effectively than you can. And God can turn their heart back to Him. We tell our kids about Jesus, and then we tell Jesus about our kids. I want us to bow our heads for a moment. We're going to end this in a season of prayer. Just bow your heads, and if you are a parent, would you just pray for each one of your kids by name right now? If you're not a parent, you can pray for someone else. If you're a kid, you can pray for your parents. And then I'm going to ask some of you that, that really carry a great burden for where your kids are right now. They're not walking in truth. They don't seem to have a soft heart for the things of the Lord. We want to believe that God would change their hearts and change the direction of their lives in prayer. And so if that's you, if, you, if you're carrying that burden, if you're heavy-hearted for a child, I just want to ask you to simply stand. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Just stand right where you're at. And we're going to give others an opportunity to pray for you. Just stand right there. And have to be ashamed. There are dozens and dozens of people. And I'm going to ask several of you, as you uh, just simply look around, if there's somebody near you that's standing, would you just stand along with them and maybe go over to them? You might want to put your hand on their shoulder. And I'm going to ask people to surround these dear people in prayer. And we're going to pray right now for our kids. God knows where they are. Knows what's hooked their heart. We're going to ask God to change the direction of our kids right now. If you've got somebody surrounding you and you're carrying a heart for one of your kids, would you just whisper their name to those dear people around you? Just, just let them know their name. They're going to pray for your kids. And then let's just spend the next few minutes, those of you that are standing surrounding these, would you just pray by name for those kids that you just heard? Let's ask God to change that situation.
Father, we know that uh, you know what it's like to, uh, to watch a son even to be distant during that time that he was on the cross. And so God, there are, there are fathers in here that, uh, that need your grace. They need to know that they're loved. They need to know that uh, there's still a role that they have in prayer for their kids and moms the same way. I pray, God, that you would give uh, grace to fill in our parenting gaps. And God, would you hear the hearts of parents that love their kids, they love you. And Lord, you know where every one of the children are that have been mentioned by name here. I pray that by your spirit, you would pursue them. I pray that you would call them, that by your kindness, they would come to repentance. God, they would realize that uh, there is a greater purpose for which they can live. Know your favor and your grace and security of a home in heaven. God, would you do these things on behalf of, of Jesus Christ and what he has done, giving us standing before you in prayer. We boldly ask you to do what we as parents can't, reach their hearts. God, change the course of their lives. Give us great hope. God, restore our joy. Thank you for the kids that are here that are flying straight. And God, we pray that you'd multiply that through the, the homes that are here. Give us faith to, to believe you for greater things. We pray it all in Jesus' name.